0: Let's go.
1: Okay, you are now listening to the Poptimist podcast, and today we have Mark Rucker of Parallel Entertainment. Mark, thank you for coming on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So um, I think we met previously at one of the Yep events. You're pretty regular with with going to those.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was a part of the original founding um, crew of people that were a big part of that. So. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, there was, I think, in the original board, I think there was like six of us, and it was funny because it was all we were just friends, and we just we. I mean, honestly, it was just we were hanging out, and Andrew Cohen, which I'm sure you know, Andrew, Andrew came up with this idea of like why don't we just put together a network of people like how do I not know this person how do I not know this person if you know them so basically we started just doing mixers and pretty soon it was like wow let's do shows and then let's do trivia nights and then just kind of growing I think it's and it's sixth, seventh year, and it's got like twenty five thousand people on wow. Facebook. Like it's crazy. How yeah, the Facebook going. Then, group is big. And like Amelia Varney, who runs it now, she's doing an amazing job. And so we've kind of taken a backseat just because it it is a lot of work. A lot of a lot of people won't, probably don't recognize that just because it looks fun and it looks easy. Mm-hmm. But getting sponsors and venues and all that stuff to work together is really tough. So, um, but yeah, man. So yeah, yep. Event. Um, I love. I love what it what it is, and I love what it continues to be. It's
1: fun. Yeah, it gives I think a people a way to kind of unite. Yeah, because uh, oftentimes I think in the in the Nashville experience, you can feel really alone. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You're totally out in the cold, and it it's a good way for people to um, to come together.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. To give them
1: resources they wouldn't have access to.
0: Right, and that that's the other thing is I think. I mean, at the time, we didn't realize that that's what it was going to be. It was just an excuse for us to hang out at a bar with all of our friends. Beautiful, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, once it started becoming that, we started realizing, like, what a need there was for it in Nashville. Um, And now I think every time we have a mixer, we have, you know, 50 to 100 people show up. And I think they do them monthly or bi-monthly now. So they've done, like like I said, I think it's, it's a really cool space for people moving to town or people that's been in town to meet people that have just moved here or are looking for gigs or cause like one thing I always know that like the the only way I find like videographers or photographers or any of that stuff, I just text my friends and say, Hey, have you worked with so-and-so? Do you have any new videographers or any of that stuff or digital team or whatever it is? Like it's usually by word of mouth. And so yep, is a great place to meet a lot of these young people coming to town wanting to do those things. So that's just a good example for me of like how I've used it. Um, but it's also, you know, it's gotten us in a lot of spaces as far as, you know, uh, like bigger companies. I mean, CAA and William Morris and BMI and all them—they're great sponsors. They've been really great to us in the past, and um, so it's been cool, man. It's been a, it's been a fun ride. So, yeah. how long have you been in Nashville for? I've been in Nashville since two thousand and eight. I did uh, transferred into Belmont, did two years there, and um, graduated from there, and. I got a week out from graduating, had no job leads, had nothing. And classic. It, it was the classic story. Yeah. And then I go to the the um, the uh, internship fair at Belmont to help my current internship. And uh-huh. they were like, hey, you need to talk to this lady down here. She's, she does business management. She, she's looking for somebody. And they're like, I was like, they're asking me if I like to do business management. I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so basically I go up to her, we talk, and I had an interview a week later. And then a week later I got the job. And I was like, whew. All right, cool, and um, I ended up doing business management there for th- almost three years, um, which was, it's an interesting job, business management. What did the job entail? Uh, I mean, dude, I did everything. I worked with artists, like, I, I worked with, this was like eight years ago, so it was like Chris Young and Jared Dieman and Frankie Ballard and Maggie Rose and all these people in the at the time, I didn't really think about it much, but like you know, we were all around the same age essentially. I was twenty two, and there, Chris, I think, was twenty six when I started. Mm-hmm. And so it was like we we all hung out, we all became friends, which is really great. But the job was like, I mean, it was insurance, it was payroll, it was taxes, it was, uh, I mean, it was a lot of the touring business. Any any part of their business, I did it, budgets, all that stuff. And man, it was a really eye opening experience about how to make how, how people can make money in the music business and um, you know got publishing royalties record royalties all these things that, like I was just looking at them going holy you know shit yeah. this is going to be insane and so it ended up being really fun because Chris and Jared and Chris was already taking off but Jared really took off um, after I had gotten there so I got to watch his rise into you know who we know him as now so it's been really fun that's really cool uh, so yeah. in that
1: experience, it, it was kind of like uh, Batman Begins, so to speak, where he's like jumping off buildings,
0: <laughs> falling off, yes. getting knifed, and realizing, yes. "Oh, I
1: need more armor."
0: Yeah, no, man. I, uh, I, I think I, I just wanted to learn, yeah. and I, like, I, I, we were just talking about before, it's like I, I was really curious about how to do the job better, and so I would not only would I, you know, do that job, but I would also like, like I said, I became close with the guys and. They would invite me out on the road, so like on Monday through Thursday, I would work in the office nine 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 a.m. to six p.m., and I would go out with them at night. We'd go to the bars, we'd go hang out, I'd be out till two or three in the morning, wake up, do it all over again that that day. And then on Thursday, Thursday night, we would get out on the bus, and I would go on the bus all weekend, come back Sunday, and do it all over. And I got to meet so many people touring and like, I didn't really do much out there. Like I'd help sell merch or assist the TM, and, you know, just do it just because I was there. Yeah. Um, and I got to learn the ropes, man. I got to just have fun. And so you got to kind of see all sides of, yeah. of yep. being, uh, being an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, that's honestly, like I look back now and doing what I do now in management. Um, I think management is a collection of all, all things like you have to be able to Hire people, set expectations, do all types of different things for all parts of the industry, uh, because that's managers are the, really the, the the spoke and the wheel, like that's like the main piece, and everything comes back to it. So, to me, it's like, how are you going to know if a tour manager is good if you've never done it? How are you going to know if a band leader is good if you've never worked with one? How are you going to know if a venue is good if you've never spent time in hundreds of venues? You know those types of questions, sure. and. Um, the the best way I found to answer them is just try to do it yourself. Do it. So um so yeah, I like I so said I got really lucky and I like, like now I look back knowing that, but at the time it was hard and it was I mean it was just tiring man. Yeah. You know, you're just tiring all, all the time. All the
1: time man. It probably probably you said you were out drinking yeah. till two or three in the morning. All the time, man. Wake up, go in the office yep. and then out on the road on the weekends. Yep. Well, yeah. what's crazy about Nashville is it uh, geographically we're right in a crossroads for pretty much the U.S. Like mm-hmm. uh, You can jump up to, to any – you want to go up north, you can, further right. down south, up to the east coast. So you were, right. were you doing just different jaunts every single weekend
0: of different parts of the U.S.? Um, yeah, so, like, I mean, the guys would have – you know, they'd have a weekend booked and they would get – like, if it was – they would leave Thursday or even Friday and they'd be out for a few days. Like, jumping on the bus, man, touring on a bus, I will say – it is everything it's cracked up to be. It's awesome. That's, that's when touring's fun because you just... Yeah. You go to sleep and you wake up and you're in the next place. It was It's fun. But at the same time, it takes a lot of work to get there and it's a lot of work to sustain. Logistics. It yeah, there's a lot of logistics, a lot of different pieces, a lot of different moving parts. And obviously, it's like a moving house. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of personalities in there too. Yeah. So you know, find space. find space. So I mean, but like I said, it taught me a lot. Um, but yeah, so I would just jump in whenever they had a run that made sense for me to, you know, be out for a day and then come back uh, on Sunday. And yeah, know, boss was cool with it. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. So just kept doing it, man. So what were some of the things or experiences that
1: you learned out on the road? Of what makes an mm-hmm. experience easy or a good tour manager, a good tour right.
0: manager. I I mean, I I don't know if I can say a specific one, but I can definitely tell you, like, there's specific tour managers that I work with, and I was just like, damn, this guy just gets it. And it's like, it's like thinking three steps ahead. It's like, every good tour manager, it's like, you you really work with them. and you're like, man, this guy's just got everything figured out. And then, even when something messes up or whatever, they don't freak out. They're calm. They're like, oh, no, dude, I'll fix it. No big deal. Yeah. And it's, it's so... So like it just saves you so much stress. That's and energy from a place of road. experience. Yeah, feel totally. Like. And um, I mean, those guys—they've graduated up, and they've—they've they've, like they went from you know merch guy to production manager to tour manager, and now they're managing artists on their own now. Which I think that's the coolest thing because they offer a lot of experience and a lot of um, back back knowledge on how to do things. You know, um, from so, the
1: ground up. Yeah, from the ground up. I think it's really important to build a good foundation, no matter what you do. Yeah. whether whether it's music whether you are you want to open your own business right. whatever it is you got to right. have a, a really strong foundation right in order to be able to i think execute like you were kind of talking about earlier execution right is everybody has a great idea but can everybody execute
0: right yeah that's my my big kick right now when i when i talk to people it, it does come back to you know uh, and this is this is a conversation that's around music right now it's like you know, you can look at labels and you say, well, they're not signing anybody. Well, that's not true. They are. But what are they signing? And to me, because we work with artists, um, to me, it's like artists that's showing great execution. They're going on the road. They're selling tickets. They're moving social numbers. They're doing a lot of stuff. Artists that just has great music. Which one are you going to choose? Yeah. So to me, I look at it as like, I mean, for, I, I try to be empathetic to everyone in every scenario, but like, with this, I look at it and I'm like, if I was investing in a company, I wouldn't invest in a company that says, hey man, I've got this great idea, I've got no, no sales, no customers yet, but I guarantee you this is a great idea. That's awesome, man. Or you could go with this other guy who's got a good idea, maybe it's not a great idea, maybe it's just a good idea, but he's executing it and he can show you like, yeah man, like these are my numbers, if I had just a little bit more capital, I had this or whatever, I bet I could grow it to this number. And that's the person I would bet on because they're actually going to go out there and do it. They're trying. Right. That, that's a dose of realism I feel
1: like is not often talked about among the musician circles here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Is because I, I know a thousand musicians who are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Who, who can write, who can play. Right. But they're not necessarily the, the people who always show up
0: on time. Right. And. Yeah. Dude, that's. Uh, you want to work I've... with the person who shows up on time. Right. One of my biggest things is that 90 percent of the music industry is showing up uh the rest is pretty much just being good yeah everything else is you have to be present to win here you yeah. can't just hope that people are going to find you it just doesn't it doesn't really work that way on a, on a on a big scale like you'll have things that'll happen every once in a while but man it's all about your work you know and I, i'm a big um, sports guy big sports analogy so like i played college baseball and I remember when I was in high school, it was awesome because I was the best in the area. Well, when you get to college, you're getting people from all areas that they're the best in their area. they were area. the best in their town. Right, and then you go to that next level. If it's, you get lucky enough to go to the majors, you're the best of that. You know that of the college. That yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I look at Nashville as like you're in the majors, man, and yeah. there's a lot of people that get here. They're the best at what they do. They are the best. And the only way... It's not about being more talented or any of that stuff. To me, it's like, who's going to work more? Who's going to work harder? And just going to find the right ideas and, you know, be genuine, be authentic. Like, those are the things that really matter. Because you can copy someone else, but you're never going to be as good as them. So, no. Yeah. No.
1: I it's... I really am a big believer in the 10,000-hour rule. Mm. I've, have you read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? I have. Yeah. Yep. So, I think sometimes... Of course, every now and then you'll have uh, a John Lennon and a Paul McCartney, and they'll get in the same room together, and they'll be putting in their ten thousand hours at the same time. And right. Something beautiful will happen. Right. But it's it's rarely that way, and I, I do believe that you make your own destiny.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I'm I'm a big uh, like we were talking about earlier, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And he has this book called Tools of Titans, and and in it he does all these interviews and with well, these book these book writers and world leaders and all these people. It's two hundred plus interviews, and he. Tries to break them down into commonalities, like like 90% do something or whatever. And I think it was like 85% of these people use affirmations, meaning like they literally write out like like uh, one of the writers wrote out six years before he ever wrote a book. He said, I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. And he said he did that 15 times a day for six years. And six years later he was a new york times best selling author and he said that he doesn't believe that it's like the world just made this happen he he believes that he himself put himself in scenarios where he could learn how to be a best selling author and then he started working towards that every time he's looking at that he goes okay what am i doing to work towards that goal today it's a um, constant reminder yes. that that goal is looming right Right. And so a lot of people would be like, well, if you just put it out there in the world, it'll just happen. And, it, it, you know, I feel like the world does open up to you when you start putting things out there. What sure. you put out will come back to you type thing. But I also think that you subconsciously go towards things like that. So if I said I wanted to be a New York Times bestselling author and I kept saying it over and over in my head, I'd probably start surrounding myself with people and opportunities that would get me there. Right. So I think you make your own destiny. Right. Exactly what you're talking about. So I think for a lot of people, it's realizing what it is, what your actual goal is, and then going for it um, and not stopping because people are going to tell you no. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're going to tell you no a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for as,
1: far, as far as the, the rejection goes, they're, they're, Nashville is a town of rejection. If you're going to move here, you have to accept that up front. And right. I think a lot of people move here with, under the impression that just because they move here, they're going to be successful. Yeah. And you have to hear it's 10,000 no's. Right. And it's that, that final time of one yes. Right. Or something happens. And really, it's not any one moment, I don't think. I think when you have a career, whether it's in music or really in anything, there, there are 19 other moments leading up to that. And then one moment that's public that everyone sees. Right. For whatever reason is the perfect confluence right. of events. Like you get on an award show, you do this, you do that. Right. Something that someone's finally viewing. It's all of those hours spent. And those experiences of skinning your knees and right. falling down, right. no one sees that, Right. which is good in a way. But yeah. I think it's important that, um, that artists and people of our generation, they realize that that's a part of the process. I feel like people sleep on that sometimes. They don't right. necessarily know. Right, well...
0: Man, I could go hours talking. Please, about Please, yes. I uh, man, I'm a big fan of like Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh and yeah, I, dude, absolutely. He's been he's been all over this patience kick. And like, dude, I I fall into that category. You know, we're yeah. I'm 29, and one of my big things is I was like 16. I you could vouch for this with my sister. I've been saying this ever since I was 16. I was like, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. Yeah, that was a goal of mine. Am I anywhere close? No, I'm not. But. I think having that mindset, it pushed me to get to where I am now. Absolutely. Um, but I, I will say that I do think people that are young have incredible pressure. They put incredible pressure on themselves to succeed really early because they see the Zuckerbergs and they see, uh, you know, any of these startups and they go, why didn't I think of that? Why like, why can't I do that? Why can't I be a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever it is? Yeah. And it's not that you can't. It's just you're just seeing you're seeing the, the first outlier. part exactly. Yeah. You're seeing the outlier. Um, very, that that's a very rare thing. And yes, it's happening more and more because a lot of younger people understand tech and, and internet and apps and all these things better than the older crew. But at the same time, it's not a mainstream thing. You can't just wake up one day and say I'm going to be a coder and i am going to make i am going to make a I'm going to make a billion dollars by creating something. There's a lot of lucky breaks. There's a lot of things that happen. and So basically, a lot of work. There's a lot of work in there too. Um, and so to me, I just I feel like uh, people put incredible pressure on themselves to succeed really early as opposed to enjoying the journey as you go, make mistakes, do things that others say that's crazy because everyone said the Internet's crazy. Guess what? That worked. It's in our pocket uh, now. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, everybody says everything's crazy until it's mainstream, you know? Uh, And that's the funniest thing to me, uh, because, like, Chris Stapleton is a great example of an artist. That it was like... Dude, I remember seeing him at the basement. Like, I've probably seen him at the basement 25 times. Like, less than... You know, it wasn't even packed. And he played as, like, a duo, like his Johnson Brothers rock band. and Like, he had written number one hits and stuff, but, like, nobody knew who he was. No. And, you know, the town supported him as as Chris Stapleton, but like, I don't think, I bet you could go to anybody and they would go, I had no idea this was going to happen for Chris. Because it's this amazing moment, like you said, I mean, it's a, the CMA Awards with Justin Timberlake, that moment was set up by the last 15 years of work. Yeah. You don't even realize with it. The blood, sweat, and tears, so that, sleepless right. nights. So that journey got to that point, and he just delivered when he had a chance. Um, and I think that's like really the coolest thing. So I think people should realize that, or I hope, hopefully, and I, I have to remind myself this all the time, is it, it really is about the journey, you know, and it's about having fun along the way and doing it with people that you respect and they respect you. And because I, it's, I've just been talking about this a lot recently about, um, you know, there's a race to the end of your life. Um, it's a race to find your final job. It's a race to retirement. It's a race to find the person you're supposed to marry it's a race to whatever all yeah. these, all the end parts but the whole fun of it is everything in every, between everything else yeah yeah <laughs> so you get to the end and then what what do you do at the end you know and that that's the question that i, I hope um that doesn't mean that getting success at a young age is not a good thing i my point is that um it's even when you are successful at a young age you still have a whole lot of life to live so why race to the end of it um so to me it's like have fun make mistakes do things that like i said do things that people say that's that might be a little crazy and you're like well i'm gonna try it because i believe believe in it yeah and be passionate be curious learn things you know um that's been that's been my biggest biggest thing for me um just continuing to learn continue to meet people um, I just did this course earlier this year called the Alt-MBA. was Seth Godin. who's a big book writer. And the people I met through that program were just these amazing people. And like, it was the VP of marketing for Snapchat and people that in the marketing team at Facebook and mm-hmm. Walmart and Target. And this guy is an engineer for a driverless car software company. And it's like all this stuff. And it's like they are just – they're doing amazing things because – People say you can't do that, and then they do it anyway. And that's the cool thing to me, especially here in music, because kind of bringing it back towards music. Yeah. um, Like you said, you're going to get told no a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Mostly no. Yeah, Yeah. mostly no, but you work for that, yes. Um, And so to me, um, if you put in the work and you put in the effort and you continually get better, you don't just assume that you know everything, assume that you know you're the best. You have to keep learning. You have to keep getting better. You have to keep uh, adding to what your tool belt has already, and you never know. You, it, it might happen then, you know. Um,
1: so yeah, that's yeah. It's it's like uh, I feel when I first moved here. Until the time I've been here for two years now, it's like you you have a utility belt. You might have one or two things on there when you first right. move here that kind of you can use. Right. But if you use those tools properly, they'll get you to the next tool, or right. to the next tool, or to right. the next tool. Because really. It's the experience of constantly tripping and falling and getting back up again and knowing, right. okay, so I'm not going to do that
0: right. in that scenario again. Right, right. I'm not going to say that again. Or I'm not you can gonna... say I didn't enjoy it either. Yeah. Like, you might be really good at something, but you just you can just say, man, I just don't really enjoy it. fit, yeah. And that's okay. I mean, that's that's when you know that knowing you're... Knowing
1: what you don't want.
0: Well, and that's a lot of... Um, a lot of... Well, that's I, I will say this. A lot of goal setting and things that I, I try to do with people is that... You, it's really hard to say my main goal is this one thing. It's because it, it, it usually ends up being something, if it's a year goal or a three-year goal or whatever, it ends up being like five or ten things. To me, it's almost like writing down, all right, start writing th- down things you don't want. What do you not want to happen in your mm. life? And so it's like reframing the question so that your brain can loosen up and you go, okay, like I know I don't want that, I know I don't want that, I know I don't want that, but that's leading me down this path is that where I want to go that leaves you way more open too exactly so to me it's like I've I've been a big fan of this because this is what I do for myself I don't really set too many yearly like yearly or three-year or five-year goals because I don't know if they ever actually work I mean I think affirmations work but I but I think long-term goals because basically if you work to me I always make this question to, to the artist I'm like what can you do for your next in your next Um three months that makes your next six months great. So when you start foundation. Right. It's the foundation of it. So by the time three months is up, you're gonna have a new goal. Then three months from there you're gonna have another goal. Every 90 days, Q one, Q two, Q three, Q four. Yeah. Right. And you start going down that path of like, okay, I'm just building a career now. And yeah, you wanna have parameters of where you're going, and that's what I think you know you could do some sort of setting like that. But I really think that short-term goals really keep you on track because you can say, oh, I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds in a year. Well, you have a whole year to do it. Are you going to do it immediately? No. Why about try to lose five pounds this month? How would you try that? You're you're the, the Billy Bean, I feel like, of
1: of the Nashville. That's, <laughs> the, that's the guy, right? Yeah. In, yeah. The, the yep. Athletics? Yep. The playing small ball? That's it, stealing man. Stealing one base at a time. Yeah. That's well, it. Just get on base.
0: That's all you can do, though. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you can't steal four at a time. You no. Know. So you just got to, you know got to do one at a time so
1: so where would you say that your your work ethic came from or your uh your mentality that you have because you have a very Um, realistic view of of both music and business yeah
0: i got i got really i'm really lucky my parents have uh they have they're entrepreneurs they have a candy and beef jerky and canned nut distribution business they've they've been doing it for 30 years um they distribute all that all like the candy and beat and all that stuff through Bass Pro, Cabela's, Gander Mountains, uh Atwoods, Ace Hardwares, like all types of stores and so I've been around it my entire life. Um and, you know, again it was kinda like that whole like I was saying about the, the business manager thing. I didn't realize how lucky I was when I was younger, but I was in the office, I was around for meetings. It's a family business, so I have cousins that work there and uncles and all types of people. And so I was always around and then when I turned like 14 or whenever you can start working, they put me out in the warehouse and I started like by like labeling packages. that's what I did right at the bottom, right at the very bottom. And then, but I got to like work with people and I got to see like what they enjoyed and like also like what they didn't enjoy. Like, but it wasn't so much about the job. It was more about how you made them feel about their job. And so there's like these interesting things that you learn along the way. Um, But yeah, like I said, I got lucky um, because my parents and like my dad, it's so funny. I always, I remember saying this to him because it was a family business, so a lot of people were like, are you going to take it over whenever, you know, dad retires or whatever? And I'm like, you know, I was like 12 when people asked me that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to well, do. 12. That's yeah. yeah. Now I'm like looking at it my, you know, my, I, I, I remember looking back though I've been like looking at my dad. And he would work from like 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. And I was like, I never want to do that. Never. And now I look at myself now. Dude, I, I do that exact thing. It's so funny. It's like, it's, it's just somehow... We become our dads. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you, you somehow become part of... You, you learn that from somewhere, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing where you pick stuff up from. And so, like I said, I've just been lucky. I have great parents. Um, and I've had really great mentors here in town. Um, you know, finding people that, you know, I, I put on my board of advisors, my own personal board of advisors, mm-hmm. where, you know, when you're in a predicament, or even if you just want to talk, or you have relationships, or whatever... Dude, you have, like, five or six people that you just, like, trust and you just say, hey, man, I just need some advice. And they're always there for you. That's really big for me. Uh, mentors. Woo. Got to get on that. Crucial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for me, um, I've always had kind of, like, mentors,
1: whether it be in music or, like, I've always had a lot of sales jobs. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there's this one in particular, there's actually, so when I was like 21 or 22, I started working for this company called B.E.K., which was an IT company. Yeah. I started off as an IT intern. Okay. And then I graduated to being an IT tech. Yep. And then from there, I graduated to being a copier salesman. There you go. So I went from from being <laughs> the actual tech to salesman. Eventually, yeah. I started selling like full IT systems, right? Um, servers and all that. But the guy who owned it was a retired... Uh, Retired uh, Navy guy. His name was Gil. He was awesome. And then he would bring in every Friday, there was this guy. His name was Jim McCarthy. Okay. And he was a, a business consultant. Yeah. And he would make me stand up. And I was part of I – I don't know if you know anything about like BNI or the, any of the business yeah. networking groups or anything like that. Yeah. You basically have to stand up and give a 30-second elevator presentation oh, yeah. and just say like who you are and all right. that. So I was like 21, 22. I had no idea what was going on. Right. So I remember – and it was, just, it was just like me, the owner – his brother, who worked for the company, he was the CEO, <laughs> and his daughter, who worked in HR, right. and then the other salesman, right. and then Jim was standing at the front of the room, just like right. grilling me, right. and I would stand up, and I could barely even say my name. Yeah,
0: no, totally. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And, it, and it was it was the most valuable time of my life. Yep, because I went from being able to not even do that. To picking up the phone and calling people, never talking to them before, trying to set, set an appointment to sell them a copier that they right. didn't
0: need. No, totally. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. If you think a used car salesman is horrible, you should try and sell copiers. Right. Like no one wants to talk to to a copier salesman. No, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: that's, I mean, that that's the funny thing is like, you know, it the tough thing for music right now is that it sometimes it does feel like that, you know, and that oh, one yeah. one part of my job is salesman. I have to go out and sell, um, and that's that's a big part of it. I have to go out and talk to people that may have never heard of our product or our artists and whenever whenever that happens, you have to be able to to pitch them to get that next meeting, you know. And I will say a valuable tip I learned, which I don't know if you talk about this with your with your uh with your company, but no one buys anything on an elevator. The point of the elevator pitch is to get you to the next meeting. Yes. So a lot of people sell the appointment. Exactly. Yeah. It's like don't try to sell whatever it is Try to sell yourself to get another meeting. Yeah, that's the key, and a lot very wise. That was one thing I was like. Whenever that hit me, I was like, "Wow, I've been trying to sell something in like thirty seconds, but it's not even that. It's like sell yourself in thirty seconds. Yeah, and then get to the next meeting and then sell your product. Yeah. So that's been a big thing for me. Small Um, ball. Yeah, and and I mean especially with networking here in town because, you know, when you go out to a show or mixer or bar or whatever, and you see that you know that other manager or you see that artist or you see that CEO or you see that agent or whatever it is, you're at a bar. You're going to talk to them for what, 30 seconds? Dude, it's not even about what you're saying. It's about what you're putting in front of them and you're saying, okay, I just need to get to a meeting. If I can get a meeting, then I'll sell them whatever I want, but you have to get there. And so to me it's like, don't try to push so hard at the very beginning because immediately going to turn it off, and you're going to go, oh well, no, man, I don't, I'm not interested. Yeah. But they're not interested because they're in a bar, <laughs> or wherever they are. So
1: how do you? How would you say to do that? Especially because the music business is very delicate. Yeah. 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 There's a bar- a barrier to entry for sure. So right. how how do you build relationships with people?
0: So uh, so basically, I mean, it depends on obviously it depends on where you are, but of course you find a a, a way of. of familiarity so it's like if you if you know mutual people or whatever it is or um maybe it's like i said maybe it's a ceo or something and you've seen them talk on something everybody i mean this is going to sound terrible but everybody loves talking about themselves it's really easy to get someone to say hey man i really loved what you said in this interview about this and they're gonna go oh man really and it's like yeah like this is what i thought about it and then you can start this conversation um and to me it's it's kind of like I don't know, it's going to, I mean, to me, it's like, get in and get out. Don't try to, don't try to oversell yourself from the very keep beginning. It short. Yeah. yeah, keep it short, because to me, that's what will leave uh, a lasting impression. Like, you didn't come on a little, like, yeah, this is gonna. this sounds like dating advice, I guess. Yeah, but, it's true. Yeah. But <laughs> keep but the first date short. Yeah, you just got to, you just got to get it, get the numbers The air out. of mystery. Yeah. yeah. No, but um, but to me, it's like finding a moment of familiarity. Um, maybe you're at the bar or maybe you're maybe you're at an event and you're watching I don't know somebody play, and you just like start talking about whoever's playing or whatever it is. I know that's difficult because I've done it, um, but I will say ninety nine percent of the time, like if if you ask somebody to get coffee with you, they're going to say yes ninety nine they might take them three months to get there or their calendar opens up, but ninety nine percent of the time they'll say yes. Cause I had to do it. I did it all the time, all the time in college, and even when I was out of college, when right, I had my jobs, I would literally like as soon as I started working with somebody, like at a label or a promotion staff or anything that like I didn't even like have really much to do with, they would ask me for a budget or something. It was nothing big, but I would say, "Hey, man, I'd love to take you to lunch or coffee sometime, just to get to know them." And now you know they've moved off, and now they're doing other things, but we have a relationship, you know. And um, I was, I have a when I was in college, I had a, a networking. Spreadsheet. This is how nerdy I was, but um, a spreadsheet where I would write out their name, their contact, where I met them, the last time I saw them, and the last thing we talked about. Smart. The reason I did that is because you don't always see everyone, um, but if you have their email or whatever, at the time there wasn't like all these cool new apps and stuff, but you can just send things back and forth. So, But um, through the email, I would literally, the conversation went to like, you know, um, talking about something in the wall street journal or whatever. And I, and where we were were talking about, I don't know at the time, Amazon or whatever. If we were talking about Amazon, I saw an article on Amazon I thought was interesting. I would email it to them and say, Hey, we were, we were talking about this. Like, what do you think about this? And that it's not so much about the article. It's more about keeping them aware that you're engaged. Yeah. And that you exist. Yes, exactly. Because you know, another good piece of advice that I've gotten from one of my mentors is that, uh, people don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and think about you. Uh, I was like, <laughs> damn, that's good. Uh, which, it's true. It's so, true, yeah. So, to me, it's like, you just have to work hard and you have to put yourself out there and it's scary. But it's funny, in the in the social media world, I still find people are afraid to put things out there, but they're willing to put, you know, images on Instagram and all the stuff and get those likes. You know, it's basically the same thing, it's just... A little bit more intentional <laughs> yeah <laughs> so for sure there's there's more of a point to it right where you're sharing something
1: right that's going to help you further yourself what, that's what i kind of like about gary v is he he calls out people he's like why are you why are you not using social media <laughs> right. like especially older people right he'll be like why are you not using instagram why are right. you not using snapchat
0: right well I, I think a lot of people and i'm this way too it's like i don't know if i, I mean things i say or things i, I care about um to me, sometimes it feels a little preachy or things like that. And um, and I understand that's, that's tough. But at the same time, like, you know, it's just like I tell artists all the time. Like, don't, don't let the outside world affect what's going on inside your head. Um, like, There's haters on the Internet. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, don't, don't, let, don't let people hate on you just because maybe your, your music's different or whatever it is. That's the whole point is if you were the same as everybody else – then you'd be boring. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, so to me, it's like, just get it and, you know, ship it out and get it done. So, yeah. So, as far as, um, like things that you've learned in Nashville, what
1: do you think, uh, like the, the greatest lesson that you've, you've learned is, it doesn't even have to
0: be related to music lesson. or anything. Oh, man. Like that. Um, I, I, I am a big believer. I mean, dude, I, I read constantly. Um, I'm, my goal this year was to read fifty books and I'm on thirty-seven. So I'm not gonna reach fifty, but that's thirty-four more books than I read last year. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel pretty good about it. Um I would say as far as advice, um I mean they're like so there's books, they're full of quotes, they're full of really good things and like I guess a good example is like um cliche cliches actually are true. Believe it or not, yeah. the things that you read all the time, you're like, I don't really believe that. But over time, they end up pretty much being true. Um, but I think I've learned that like, who you surround yourself with is who you become. Um, I think that's a big thing for me. You know, they talk, they, the big quotes like, you know, the five people you spend the most time with is who you end up becoming in yeah. some way, a version of, of them put together. And I truly believe that, man, because I think if you surround yourself with depending on what type of people you or you surround yourself with will affect your attitude toward things. Um, if you have, uh, to me, if you have friends or family or whatever it is, that's really open and creative and all with stuff, I think you're going to be more open and creative. If it's, if you spend more time with people that are more, um, uh, you know, more closed off and they don't want to learn new things and they, they don't see things, you know, as an opportunity, they see it as like a problem and it's like, well, is it's just you know it's just not a good environment for you know having a creative mind so to me i look at that and it's like you know it's honestly it's like a bad relationship you know everyone's been in a bad relationship where you're just like you know it it's comfortable it's easy because you've always done it but is it good for you is it good for you and you don't know exactly um so i think i think recognizing that over time it's important to to evaluate where you spend your time um I mean, I do it. I do it all the time now. I mean, I've probably spent way too much time in a bar, um, way too much money in a bar. But at the same time, um, you know, I still think it's 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 fun and it's important uh, to what we do. And but it's not just being at bars, but it's also um, I've probably spent too much time worrying about. You know, I, don't know, I was t- talking about this the other day. It's like, you know, we spend all this time and money on recording music and studios and all this stuff, and then you. I go home to Southern Illinois, a small farm town, and I see people pull up a song on YouTube and listen to it through their computer speakers. I'm like, why do I spend so much time worrying about this, this one thing? You know, and I understand that's just like the mentality of it, but I, I think it's interesting how much time we spend worrying about things that never happen. Um, and um, I would tell everyone that, that um, 90%, 95% of the things that you're worrying about right now, if you're listening to this, they're not going to happen. That's what <laughs> I, I
1: saw. Gary V said that recently. Right. He said there's there's actually nothing that matters, and
0: it's just excuses that we make for ourselves to not get things done. Right. Exactly. And I, I mean, and you know, you kind of mask it as realism or, or being a realist or whatever it is. But um, to me, you know, that holds you back because did everyone think Steve Jobs was the realist? Did everyone think that? I mean, any, anybody that you can think of that you're like, man, they're really inspiring or something that you aspire to be, nobody thought they were realistic. Everybody thought they were crazy. Yeah. You know? And just like you know, Chris Stapleton, in, in a way, it's people didn't think it was crazy, but people thought, there's, there's no way that's ever going to work. Well, guess what? It's the best thing that could ever happen because he's got this huge foundation that now every fan just is digging back Two further. Two sold-out nights at Bridge, Bridgestone <laughs> Arena. Right, right. So, I was uh, I was there working that
1: night when he was he was playing well uh, both nights and man he uh, his band is hot mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like a four piece and they yeah. they make a lot of noise yeah exactly for, for a small band
0: yeah 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 no man and that dude that's the thing is it's great music will will beat everything like always uh, I have a my my mentor John Grady who's he's been he's he's done everything you can think of he uh, he. He would talk about how, um, well, he was, he was a label rep, and he was a promotion staff rep. He worked with, like, Whitney Houston and MC Hammer, all these people in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. And then he got into doing um, movies and all types of different stuff. But anyway, he, he's done everything you think of. Uh, but he would say that um, a, a marketing plan has never made him cry. Or he said, well, actually, the way the quote goes is, uh, the difference between a great song and a great marketing plan is a great marketing plan has never made me cry, and I was like, <laughs> "Damn, dude!" Like, so as much time as you spend worrying about your marketing plans and like all this stuff, it's like, yeah, those are important, but start with your product. Like, make it great. Make know? it great. Yeah. yeah, I think that's super valuable yeah. advice. Uh,
1: and it's, I think it's hard sometimes to make that great product, especially when we're constantly in this minutia of everything, like. I think people, when they think of Nashville, they think of it as slow-paced, southern, like, behind the times sometimes. Right. But it's very fast, especially now, with the way that it's growing. Things are happening at, like, breakneck speed. Right. The city is growing, and the music business is constantly changing. Next week, it's going to be entirely different than this week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I agree. I think think it's about, this is a Gary V thing for you, it's about setting your flag in something and Uh just going with it um and like looking at yeah there's probably 50 new things that's going to come out in Nashville next week but you can't choose all of them nope. so set your flag in something and wait for everything to come to you so a good example like this is a gary v story but he was talking about um there was this guy he was this was several years ago and he was a big pokemon player huge pokemon player And, you know, he was in his 20s, you know, and everybody's making fun of him. Because it was like the cards at the time. This was years ago. And, you know, he had all the books and all the stuff and whatever. And everybody's made fun of him. And he started a blog and whatever. And, you know, fast forward, you know, however many years. And seven, eight years. And Pokemon Go comes out. Pokemon Go becomes the number one downloaded app in the world. And it's this big thing or whatever. Cultural phenomenon. Yes. Worldwide. Worldwide, yes. And... Lo and behold, guess who is the number one expert on Pokemon Go? go. This guy, he was on CNN, he was on all these places. Wow. He has a book out now. He has like, all his, all these following because he didn't just go towards the world and where everyone's flooding into all these places. He said, I'm really into this, and I'm going to stay into this. Pokemon uh, purity. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think my point is that, I think the the world will come to you eventually, but it's definitely it's definitely a hard long road to get there. You're yeah. gonna face ridicule. You're gonna face, you know, your family members saying, "What the hell are you doing? Like, why are you doing this?" Uh, but at the same time, if you truly enjoy it and you're passionate about it, and you want to learn more about it and you want to teach people about it, do it. You know, and I think it's a really interesting um, story because I think a lot of artists have to think that way. Um, if you don't, and all you're doing is chasing the next thing. Then you're always going to be chasing. You're never actually going to catch up, and the world's never going to come your way because you're still chasing. You're not setting your spot. Yeah. So um, that's a big thing for me is is finding something that you truly believe in and that you're really passionate about. Um, because you know, even even if you believe in something and you're not passionate about it, it's it's really hard. Um, because passion to me is, is different than believing. I think believing in something is is going. I think this can work or I know this can work or whatever it is. Passion is, is when it gets really hard, really, really, really hard. What are you going to do? That's where your passion comes in. You're like, well, fuck, man. Like this is really the hardest thing. When you're running on fumes. Yes. And your back is against the wall. Right. And everybody's telling you no and everything's a dead end. What do you do? That's, that's where your passion comes in. You have to get creative and figure something out.
1: Yeah. I think um, when when trying to do something like that, it's – it's hard, dude. Yeah. It's so hard. And there's sleepless nights. Yeah. And there is there's embarrassment and right. pain and, right. and all those things. But when you get there, it was like I heard someone talk about this on a, on a podcast recently where they were talking about Guns N' Roses. And it was, like, it was a stand-up comedian, Joey Diaz. He, yeah. he asked Slash sometime, I think it was like in the mid to late 90s after Guns N' Roses broke up. He's like, why did Guns N' Roses break up? And he basically said, when you don't earn it, you go crazy. And he was basically saying yeah. that Axel Rose, right. he just kind of showed up one day and things started working out for him. Right. Versus the band where right. they were like practicing, yes. like Slash, right. his guitar playing is someone who has had the guitar in his hands for 10,000 hours. Right, easily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like, it can make you go crazy. Right. People can get to that, that height and have that success, Right. but it can make them go nuts. Right. They won't know what to do with it because they they truthfully, they didn't fully earn it. I think right. you have to have that hardship on the way up, right. in order to find satisfaction in the good times. Right.
0: No. One hundred percent.
1: Appreciate and when it goes well.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. But also, like I said, it's kind of like uh, it's it's kind of like what I was saying about you know hiring people and doing stuff. Like if you're an artist and. You, haven't, you don't even know what your manager really is supposed to do, what are your expectations? If you don't know what your publicist is supposed to do, what are your expectations? How are you going to know if they're good or not? How are you going to know if they're doing your, their job for you or not? If he's going to rely on your manager? If you just rely on your manager, that's great. I hope you have a great relationship with your manager yeah. because there's been relationships that haven't worked out that way. So to me, I think it's important for... It's, it's just like an artist is a CEO. And a CEO of a tech company or of any business doesn't have to be in everybody's business not micromanaging it but to me you have to know what each department does you have to know the flavor yes and if you if you if you don't want to pay attention to that stuff then to me you're not actually embracing the music business you're embracing the music clearly like you want to do music that's great but the business is what helps you do that for a lifetime helps you, know? you keep doing it yes and, and to if you want to, if you want to get paid and you want to do all that stuff that's great the, this is what it's going to take. You know, you need to have, um, you need to be able to do that stuff. And so I highly recommend like for any artists that are just trying to like build up and do things, it's like just start. Just start by book a show. Do it yourself. Don't ask someone to do it for you. Book it yourself so that you know what that feels like and you know how to do it. Um, Like we've got an artist uh, that we work, well I don't work with him as a management client but he's a publishing client. He just signed a record deal and he doesn't even have, he doesn't have an agent, he doesn't have anything. He's just, He's just worked his ass off, and he's done a lot of the work on his own, and, um, and it, that's just like the coolest thing to me, because I think that shows that he's got the true drive and passion, that yeah. it's not just, you know, I'm going to just focus on the music and all this stuff and, and lock myself in a room, it's I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm going to learn all these things. Get going to try. Right. Yeah, I,
1: you, are, you are the captain of the ship. Yeah, and there, there's no one who's going to do it for you, and, and right. that can feel really discouraging, Right. especially when you're having to balance. Like musicians aren't the kind to be able to balance budgets or right. do any of that stuff. Right, and I'm, you not, have to figure I'm not out.
0: I'm not saying yeah, and I'm not saying you have to be an expert at it. I'm saying you just have to know what yeah. it is. Yeah, you have to be absolutely with it. Um, because there will be times where, like I said, I did business management. And I was the I was the last meeting that any artist wanted to have. The only thing is that I was like, dude, like you need to know these things because this is how much you're spending on this yeah, or whatever it sure. Yeah. And it's like, do you need it? And if you feel like you need it, great. That's fine. I'm not saying you don't, whatever. It's just, I want to make you aware of it. And so to me, it's, it's all about, um, just honestly, it's like, I don't know. I, Scooter, Scooter Braun was talking in an interview and he said, uh, don't look at managers as like managers is like holding your hand and doing everything for you. Look at them as partners. Would you treat your partner like that if you had a partner and you said, "Hey, man, why don't you do all this work and I'm just going to focus on this side of it?" Yeah, it's like it doesn't make any sense. You as it's a, a part- give and take. As a partner, you you work together on everything, um, or at least you say, "Hey, man," like you check in and you say, "Hey, how do we do this? Or how can we do this? Or what's the next step on this? Or how can we build this out of this?" You know. And so, to me, I would just say for young artists and, and people out there, even if you're not a young artist, I mean, if you're a signed artist or whatever you are you should learn these things because I think eventually, you know, um, you, you might need to know them more than you would ever think, just especially with the rise of, you know, self, you know, self-management, self-recorded music, self, I mean, basically, you can record everything you want on your iPhone, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, what's stopping people from doing that? What's, what's stopping people from? Nothing. That's what I mean. Yeah. So that's my point is that, I don't know, I, I think that there's these, when people move to town, there's this romantic, romanticized feeling about getting a label deal and getting a manager, getting an agent, getting all that stuff. Which 30 is, years too late. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. It, it's great to have people on your team because, I mean, people believe in you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're not your answers. They're a means to get there. They're a tool. Yes, exactly. And not like literal tools. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, um, I I just – I, I think that there's – there are so many opportunities out there for people now um, that if you just break it down, to me, it's like if every single person I know in music is trying to get an audience, whether you're a label, an artist, a streaming service, whatever it is, all you see them doing is trying to get people to sign up. All you see an artist trying to get somebody to a show, get them to follow you, whatever it is. If you can find your audience and be able to control them, quote unquote control them, meaning like you send them a link and they click on it and they buy stuff, that's the most powerful thing you could ever have. Even if it's 500 people mm-hmm. and you know 500 people will do it, you have an audience. Yeah. Or if you have 50,000, you have what everyone else is trying to get. Um, so to me, it's like break everything down to the simplest form and go, how, what can I do today to get me an audience tomorrow? And what can I do tomorrow to get me a bigger audience the next day? And if you start thinking in that way, it's like your manager or somebody could help manage that situation, but it's really going to come from you. And that's why I would say, like, dude, like, just work your ass off, man. Keep working hard. Yeah, I think um, people move here and they... they
1: at least from what i've encountered is like before they even start writing songs or they have a really good product they're, they're already getting their pictures taken they're throwing them up on facebook and that's all well and good it's important right. to have a social media presence but again it always for me it always goes back to foundation yep you have to have that foundation there right are there any artists right now that you're really uh in love with are you seeing um seeing them have that foundation you're excited about what they're doing other than ones I work with, uh, yeah, you can talk. You can talk about the, one, <laughs> no, the ones you work with, man, anyone you've seen around town.
0: Um. Uh, well, specifically, like like a guy that I work with in a in a lot of ways. He just he represents so much to me. Uh, Ryan Beaver, and we put out a record last year, and it made you know all these critically acclaimed places. It was completely independent. It was me and him, and we hired out a publicity publicity team. We hired out a digital team, like but we did the work and it was so cool because literally I did everything or not, not, I mean, not, I did everything, but what I mean is that it was, I, I was, we were a part of everything so that it wasn't like, Hey, you guys just go handle this. We don't know what that is. And so now we have connections and we've had opportunities come our way just because we were in the trenches with the whole thing. And that's one thing that I, I hope that people can take away from that is, um, uh, when things feel like they're really hard and, and, and things feel like you don't need to be doing that or whatever it is, try to change your mindset into looking as an opportunity. There's people that I would not have met if I weren't wasn't doing that. And a great example is, um, I met a director for DirecTV, I don't know, four years ago. And normally, I, that would be something on like a label, you would just say, hey, man, marketing department will handle this. But I started building up this relationship, so every month I would send him an update on what Ryan was doing. Every single month for three years. That fi- finally, he said, "Hey, man, we're gonna do this unsigned artist thing for Audience Network. Would Ryan want to be a part of it?" Three years, once of a emails, month yeah. of emails, and then phone calls, and he would he'd come to town, and all this stuff. It was great, but it takes time and it takes the opportunity. So again, it kind of is like we put him in the front of his mind. It's great. But that opportunity wouldn't have came our way if we weren't actually in the trenches doing it. Yeah. And so that's the thing for me is that I think it's really important that everyone um, continues to learn and continues to build your network and um, and understands that every every hardship, as as much as it is hard and it's, it's tough, it also represents an opportunity to tra- to change it. You know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I think so. Another, I actually lo- love Julian Jacqueline. She's on Big Loud. Uh, I've been a big fan of hers for a long time. Uh, I think she's got, she's a star, man. It's like she's just been writing and, and recording for a long time, and she's so good. So, really proud of her. So Awesome.
1: Well, hey, man, um, the, the voice of reason and the dose of realism and, oh, uh, yeah. and music in yeah. Nashville, Mark Rucker. Um, On a closing note, I have a quote here that I thought uh, it actually was super relevant to everything that we were talking about today. So I just wanted to get you to read it. It's uh, right there if you can read my horrible writing in the quotations.
0: Ha! I like that. Yeah. There may be people that have more talent than you, but there is no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. By Derek Jeter. Yeah. Derek Jeter, Number two. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man.